This is Power and Consequence. Welcome back to Power and Consequence, a podcast about liars, grifters, demagogues, and opportunists who sometimes reveal a little too much of their belief system, which we are going to see today and introduce the team to for today. We're running lean. Uh, I am Matt, and with me as always is Jelani. What's up, Jay? Hey, hey. How's it going today? Uh, you know, it's going. It's going. Uh, the world still on the brink, you know, but... That's okay. Yeah, yeah, the world's always on the brink. I know, right? I, I, I've, I've got my MREs. You know, I'm working on an armored redoubt, a bunker, if you will, for when the Ruskies get here. I've watched, uh, you know, Red Dawn a few more times. You know, I'm, get, <laughs> I'm, get, I'm getting ready. I'm getting ready. Was was the hunt for the Red October about a Russian submarine? It was, it was, but this time I don't think Sean Connery will gloriously defect much to the benefit of the U.S. and Alec Baldwin. So, (laughs) great movie. So, yeah, yeah, uh, I guess, you know, a a question for you, Jay, how do you in general feel about the rights of the individual states or states' rights, if you will? I mean, if you want my unadulterated truth, uh, I think it's a tricky mix. Like, I think states need to be the ability to make laws that make sense for the area that they're in uh when i travel internationally i always tell people like uh america is really like a conglomerate of all these little countries um and so yeah to that end i think they do need some sort of control um but i think there are many issues that cross state lines and those are the ones where the feds need to step in of course of course you know um there's certain things where i'm just like you know little things where it's just like i get it you know you're that's your state's business they want to do business a certain way um various things you know uh 10th amendment you know whatever is not reserved for the federal government shall be the the area of the states and that's fine unless it's infringing on civil liberties which you know is what we're going to get into today But before we do, just as a reminder to everyone, uh, if y'all like the show and what we do, please check us out on Twitter. You can follow the show at Consequence Pod. Follow me on Twitter at Stop Talking Matt and follow Jay at Stop Talking JV. And also share a link to the show with people you think might get something out of it and maybe leave us a nice review. We're trying to trick that algorithm, people. We need your your help because I refuse to pay for Russian bots. They charge too much. (laughs) Yeah, the the power of just telling a friend often comes in handy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, you're, they're going to want to get on this one, Jay, because this is going to be part one of, uh, of a little series that we're going to do on states' rights. This is going to be part one of two or maybe three, depending on how this develops. You know which states shouldn't have rights? Hmm. <laughs> Uh, there's no end to that joke. I just wanted to, to start <laughs> you got, it. You got, you got a list, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, with that, let's get into this, Jay. Um, so, like I said, this is going to be part one, and we're just going to scratch the surface, you know? We're going to, and getting into that enduring concept of American politics, states' rights, all right? So, you know, it's, one might think that the term states' rights, that usually denotes like your 
allied with, you know, the Republican Party, the GOP, conservatives, they're usually the ones who tout that phrase, literally, you know, states' rights as a concern, as a platform position. But, you know, it's not necessarily so. It's just a question of branding, you know. For example, um, according to uh, the Washington Post, between 1990 and 2012, right, um, laws that sort of federally... uh, preempted so to speak um by way of like floors and ceilings right that was kind of evenly split between uh the republicans and the democrats right um and it all depends like the gop focused on ceilings like you know you could only go so far in terms of uh you know what you can do and obviously the democrats went below creating um you know regulations that all states must adhere to but they can go beyond it if they want to type of a thing Mm -hmm. And, you know, that that's usually how states' rights work. But the term states' rights um, is championed by the GOP as a constitutional vehicle for, well, usually fucking with anyone they deem unworthy of civil rights. That's certainly true. And that's going to be the main thrust of our focus today. Because, like I said, GOP propaganda is more fun. So, you know, an example of the GOP states rights versus you know quote-unquote liberal states rights type of issues would be like gay marriage and abortion um on for the gop and sanctuary cities and states for democrats you know each one thinks the other is stupid yeah i i I have no additional comment on that like there's just those are issues that are purposely used to kind of tear us apart and and yeah it they, they're states' rights issues. Yeah, lots of good, lots of fundraising issues, you know? So the, uh, both parties make a lot of money off of this. But like I said, we're going to focus on one event specifically because we're just going to scratch the surface. So today, we're going to ease into it with a closer look at some revealing comments made by the junior U.S. senator from Indiana, uh, Mr. Mike Braun. Jay, you ever heard of Mike Braun? Only recently <laughs> because of the, the statements he's made. But I, before... He broke the news uh, last week, was it? Uh, March 22nd, yeah. Yeah, I'm, he wasn't on my radar. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He wasn't really on anyone's radar. He was he was a standard sort of MAGA flunky, um, pretty far right oriented, but his public statements kind of makes him, he, you can tell he wants to seem like he's reasonable, you know, and this is sort of what betrayed him in the uh, press conference that we're going to talk about. He kind of put his foot in his mouth. But I mean, we talk about this a lot on the show, like people who start off on reasonable ground and then kind of start to skew it so that it makes sense in their world. Well, and and in a sense, what I'm going to say is that at least in terms of being philosophically consistent when speaking to reporters like that sort of I don't know if integrity is the right word for it, but that sort of consistency kind of betrayed him. And you guys are going to see what I'm talking about in a minute. So. Without further ado, uh, some of you guys might know what we're talking about, but um, basically on March 22nd, Braun participated in a conference call with some reporters, mostly local to uh, Indiana-based publications. And, you know, the whole event, it lasts about 20 minutes. Questions asked cover topics such as the appointment of uh, Katani Brown-Jackson to the Supreme Court, um, the Russian invasion of Ukraine, judicial activism from the Supreme Court, uh, stuff like that. So that last part, judicial judicial activism from the bench, right? That's where Braun said the quiet part out loud. And this is basically what made headlines this past week. So you would be okay with the Supreme Court leaving the question of interracial marriage to the states? 
yes, I think that that's something that uh, if you're not wanting the Supreme Court to weigh in on issues like that, uh, you're not going to be able to have your cake and eat it, too. I think that's hypocritical. Whoops. Said the uh, maybe you shouldn't have said that, Jay. I mean, maybe you should have. I keep saying uh, I like when people are their true selves, so we know exactly what we're getting into. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And and I would share that that I guess a grudging respect, even if I disagree completely with what he just said, for his consistency. And I would have that if not for the statement that he released later that day, because he clearly realizes he stepped in it. Um, quote. Earlier during a virtual press conference, I misunderstood a line of questioning that ended up being about interracial marriage. Let me be clear on that issue. There is no question the Constitution prohibits discrimination of any kind based on race. That is not something that is even up for debate. And I condemn racism in any form, at all levels, and by any states, entities, or individuals. So he walked that one back pretty fast. And... You know, I often ask myself this question when I when I see apology statements is, you know, what percentage of that is the truth? That's all I want to know. <laughs> and, and that's, and, 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 yeah. Like I said, it's an open-ended question. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, fortunately for us, that's exactly what we're going to discuss. Because, like I said, that whole event was about 20 minutes. And most, you know, the headline is what I just played for all of you. So we are going to take a closer look uh, at Braun's uh, virtual press conference and see if that claim holds any weight. The idea that he misunderstood a line of questioning. All right. So with that, you know, we're just going to get into it because like I said, that is an interesting claim that he's trying to make. Braun is trying to sell us that he misunderstood a line of questioning. Now that's really important because if he did understand, if he's just lying, if he understood what he was uh, answering, then that basically means matters of law, discrimination, uh, and discriminating based on race or really anything considered a protected class is the business of the states. In other words, Jay, according to Braun, the 14th Amendment is unnecessary. That's my read. That's kind of what he just said. Only when it benefits him. Goddamn right. And we're about to look into that right now. So, you know, the implications of such a scenario, as I just described, um, as as they pertain to civil rights, uh, are staggering, you know, which is why I want to focus on Braun as sort of a modern day example of what the GOP is getting at when it talks about states' rights. So in the interest of fairness, all right, I went back and I listened to the entire conference call to get a better sense of the plausibility of Braun's claim that he simply misunderstood this line of questioning. So uh, let's get into it. First up, Braun at the beginning is asked about the confirmation of uh, Jackson to the Supreme Court. So obviously confirmation hearings are going on for uh, Judge Jackson. You're not on that committee. You've expressed some skepticism about this nomination in the past. Have you met with her personally and have you formed an opinion as to which way you will vote? Have not met her. Uh, I think she did that mostly with the folks on the Judiciary Committee. Uh, Of course, you can't miss the topic. Uh, Seems well qualified, but whenever I vote for a uh, Supreme Court justice, it's going to be basically, how are you going to interpret the law? If your record shows that you're going to be kind of an activist there, uh, I don't think that's good. I don't think the founders intended it that way. Uh, I'm going to look at uh, what's fleshed out in terms of prior rulings at a lower level. 
and I think that'll be done thoroughly. And I think our side that uh, is going to be doing some of that uh, uh, extraction of information based upon your record uh, will do it in a way that I think uh, hopefully keeps it at a little different level of decorum than the one I remember back when I was running, uh, and I think October of 18 with Kavanaugh. So uh, stick with interpreting the law. Don't legislate from the bench. And what has your prior record shown about what you'll do when you're on the main stage? I just, there's that little our side comment. Shouldn't your side be America? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And I mean, that sounds like a joke, but truthfully, like, when you're picking a judge, it shouldn't be from a perspective of, does this benefit my side or not? It's, as he's saying on the other half of it, is this person impartial when it comes to their rulings and the decisions that they made throughout their career? So it's just, it's interesting the contrast in the statement there. Yeah, I mean, in in the in one response he sort of contradicts himself especially the part when he's talking about you know at the end like interpret the law don't legislate from the bench um the legislating from the bench the idea that you know uh, a judge makes decisions not based on correct or objective interpretation of law but rather to you know recreate you know law and policy along partisan lines the i mean the idea that we can escape that at this point is pretty laughable which is one of the problems with the system frankly yeah we didn't even get into that like look at what texas is doing with the abortion bill right exactly or mississippi with the abortion bill or 20 states with anti-trans bills and how various states are going to interpret their own laws a certain way and then you know that obviously is going to lead back to the whole well you know some states did certain things where people weren't people depending on the color of their skin you know that's a state's rights issue if you want to be technical about it i mean if you discount the you know 12th 13th and 14th amendments so i can't see braun voting to confirm jackson and you know braun's a businessman he's not a lawyer but then again neither am i to be fair it's a stupid concept uh, because, you know, it, the interpreting law is subjective because, you know, we're all human. We have these subjective biases that to which we're all, you know, kind of serving. And it also undercuts the utility of SCOTUS at all. Like, rarely does SCOTUS um, agree completely on anything, you know, and one justice typically swings the decision these days. It's usually 5-4, you know, mm-hmm. pretty damn close. Um and, you know, these interpretations, they do change uh, to reflect social and cultural values. I mean, one version of SCOTUS decided that Jim Crow laws were constitutional, and another version decided that black people were never meant to be counted as citizens of the United States. The other part is um, I find it kind of funny that uh, Braun is saying that Jackson seems well qualified, because that's a bit of an understatement. Um, For those of you who aren't keeping up, Jackson was a Harvard Law graduate, clerked for a Supreme Court justice, worked as a public defender, worked on the U.S. Sentencing Commission, which is a bipartisan independent agency founded in 1984 and worked as a federal district judge and as a federal appeals judge and as a by the way uh, jackson served as a federal judge for a combined nine years which is more than three times as long as justices barrett roberts or thomas prior to their appointment to scotus so just as a by the way she's one might say relative to her peers her future peers she's overqualified and speaking of that who gives a shit about what the founders intended 
right? Most of the signatories of the Constitution couldn't fathom the world that we live in today, one where women could vote, slavery was abolished, you don't need to own land as a prerequisite to cast your vote, just to name a few differences, not to mention the Civil War, the Civil Rights Movement, the Cold War, multiple world wars, ongoing genocides in the name of imperialism, and last but not least, TikTok. <laughs> I no. Jay, like could you, you picture said, the world is always on the brink? I'm telling you, man. Could you picture John Adams on TikTok? That would be amazing. I, I I would pay money to see that. I would I would go fund me the technology to bring him forward in time. So just so he could do TikTok. <laughs> telling you, man. You know, one day I think those Futurama heads will be real. Like there'll be some AI recreation of old celebrities' personalities that you can have just sitting around your living room. I don't know. I don't know if there's anyone I would want to preserve. I'm, you know what? That sound that's too black mirror for me. I'm not going to think about that right now. So, uh, y'all may recall uh, at the end of that little clip, Braun expressing hope, right, for more decorum than at Brett Kavanaugh's confirmation hearings during 2018. Uh, Jay, did you subject yourself to any of those confirmation hearings for Kavanaugh? So almost like this time around. Like, actually, the past three nominations have just felt so performative to me. Like, once the name got let out, I was like, okay, that person's going to be it. And there's going to be this dance around whether or not it's going to happen. But we already know that, you know, people have already decided what they want. And the rest is just this performance. So, sure, sure. Um, I did not, I did not watch them religiously but i did watch the clips of him yelling because i thought it was pretty telling and just also interesting to me because i don't want to get deep into this rabbit hole of social structures and all that stuff but it's just interesting that it's very plain that this guy was just acting up he was he he showed a sense of immaturity and for a position like this you would think that someone would have a little more poise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and had Katanji Brown Jackson acted in the same way, even in the slightest, then it would like automatically disqualify her. And I think it's a very obvious point, but I think people really don't realize like how front and center it is in the world that we live in today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I, I, Absolutely. You know, and that that sort of touches on kind of what I was what I was getting at the the observation many have made, which is the fact that because Jackson, as opposed to Kavanaugh, right, uh, Kavanaugh is a cis male white man, right, versus Jackson, right, who is a uh, cis female black uh, or excuse me, that's that's redundant. Uh, cis woman who is black, right? She has to be literally like three times as qualified to even be considered for this job, you know. Mm-hmm. And kind of like you said about you know the the showing emotion part, like because she's a woman, she's got that to deal with too. So mm-hmm. not nearly as forgiven, you know. Uh, so you know, Braun kind of continues on that speaking speaking on Kavanaugh and decorum, so to speak. He kind of he kind of doubles down and expands a little bit on on what he's talking about. What do you think we'll see in terms of the decorum in this hearing? You mentioned it, um, the desire to not have it end up being like a Kavanaugh hearing, as you put it. But we did have some questions today. Uh, Senator Graham asked her to, to 
describe on a scale of one to ten how religious of a person she was. Do you think that kind of question is is appropriate in, in this format? Well, um, that would be a question that I think is uh, uh, one that may not be of the analytical kind of context that would uh, hit the mark, but I'm uh, uh, referring back to the absolute bedlam <laughs> that occurred during the Kavanaugh hearings. And uh, that was uh, a level of decorum that I think most on our side said they would not go there. And uh, I think we'll get to the merits of the case on her capabilities without some of those histrionics. He keeps saying our side. Who the fuck, who is his side? <laughs> yeah. Who is this yeah. our? Yeah. Uh, he, he's clearly playing up the partisan politics where it's supposed to not be a factor. And uh, we need to start naming these dance moves because he barely answered the question. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He does this a lot. It's only when he starts answering questions when he got himself into trouble. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And... um Definition of histrionics, this is a good word he used, exaggerated dramatic behavior designed to attract attention. So uh, I, I, I think it's clear that Braun is referring to his own colleagues, you know, his own GOP colleagues, uh, saying that he hopes that they won't resort to histrionics that were seen uh, during Kavanaugh's confirmation. The implication mm-hmm. being that the Democrats did that. It's like, mm-hmm. okay. Oh, it's like, okay, fine. That's partisan gamesmanship, but I'm with you. I get what you're doing. But as far as hoping his, his uh, colleagues wouldn't resort to histrionics, um, I don't know if you caught Jackson's confirmation hearings or the highlights there, Jay, what went on? Uh, I heard Senator Graham stormed out the room in a hissy fit. Um I heard uh, Mr. Cruz, what did he do? I forgot what he did, but he also did something ridiculous. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. But you see how I just don't commit it to memory? Because I know it's performative. No, no. Like, it's, it, and it like, is. It is. Yeah. It's histrionics. I also heard that Cruz was checking his Twitter right after his performance to see how many mentions he was getting. I have I have no doubt. I have no doubt. Um, Senator Cruz, Raphael Ted Cruz. uh pressed. Yep, yep. He uh, he pressed Jackson on children's books and critical race theory. That's uh, right. Yep, he did that. Senator Josh Hawley challenged Jackson on her track record regarding sex crimes uh, against children, which is making her a handy target for QAnon. So yeah, that pedophilia obsession. Mm-hmm. There's that one too. Uh, Senator Marsha Blackburn, in her opening statement, asked rhetorical questions to Jackson. The Jackson could not was not allowed to answer because of the process, right? It wasn't that part. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and and you know she's asking you know all kinds of loaded things. And in that statement, by the way, Blackburn decried the 1965 SCOTUS decision, uh, Griswold versus Connecticut, in which the court held 7-2 that the Constitution protects marital privacy from laws uh, restricting a married couple from using contraception. So for those of you listening, you know, if you've ever heard the idea of the penumbras, such as privacy, like privacy isn't explicitly guaranteed in the Constitution, but taken as a whole, you can infer that privacy is something that's guaranteed in the Constitution, you know? And that's where this comes from, from Griswold versus Connecticut. So, and Marsha Blackburn thought that that was a pretty bad thing that they did. 
So, you know, there we go. So, yeah, histrionics. Uh, I don't believe any of them, you know, thought that any of this was relevant to a judge, you know, unless the senator, you know, asking the question is concerned that their brand of politics shall not be given priority in court decisions. So it's all it was all grandstanding. You know, like you said, it's I'm not surprised that Cruz was checking his Twitter, you know, seeing if he was if he was trending. Yeah, it's just sometimes I understand why people tune out of politics, because if they want to watch a movie, they just go to the movies. If they want to watch a show, they'll just go to a theater. Uh, and sometimes you turn on the TV and everything you see just seems so unreal and performative that you just want to tune out. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. I mean, I, I guess like Cruz's thing is he's trying to draw that attention to himself in a way where it's just like he he knows the words, but he doesn't know the music. You know, like he <laughs> he he doesn't understand what it is to show your ass in a way that makes you seem maybe like you're dignified. You know, I think he doesn't care either. Yeah, that's he probably keeps true. Getting away with it. Yeah. Mm hmm. Yeah, he's when election no proof. no accountability, then people just keep acting a fool. Yeah. Well, and, and he's beholden to the MAGA crowd. He knows that, you know? Mm -hmm. So, nothing new. So, th this whole thing, by the way, this this is going to lead me to a little sidetrack. Because uh, Lindsey Graham of South Carolina, uh, bastion of, of, of stalwart integrity... Lindsey Graham, um, he he was part of the Judiciary Committee, so obviously he asked Jackson some questions. So, you know, and for those of you who don't remember, I don't know how you could have forgotten, Jackson uh, Graham was the guy who dared people to use his words against him after joining with the rest of the GOP and blocking the appointment of Merrick Garland in Obama's final year in office. Uh, uh, Graham declared that if a um, SCOTUS vacancy opened in a Republican president's final year in office, the same standard would be upheld. As in, you'd wait for the election and then pick. Of course, that didn't happen. And the lie detector determined <laughs> that was a lie. <laughs> <laughs> that is not what happened indeed. Um, and um, RBG died and uh, in 2020 before the presidential election. And Graham's response to the criticism when he and uh, the GOP forged ahead with the confirmation of Amy Coney Barrett uh, was pretty much akin to a child on the playground sticking his tongue at, at you and saying, neener, neener. You know, like he basically he said, if the Democrats were in my position, they would do the same thing. That's it. That's all he had to say for himself. The sad thing is they wouldn't. That's that's probably what bothers me the most. Almost frustrating. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like, it's just like, I don't know. I don't, I don't want to use a bunch of like hyper-masculine uh, metaphors. Like, you know, you're, you're bringing a knife to a gunfight type of thing. Mm -hmm. But I mean, you, you kind of are, you know, the whole, we go, they go low, we go, go high thing. That's demonstrably ineffective, you know, unfortunately. So yeah, this leads us back to Braun, uh, who again, hopes that decorum can be maintained without histrionics. Right. And, and I'm talking, and I'm, I'm really covering this whole thing. I might add be, to give everybody a full picture of Braun's ability to interact with these reporters during this press conference and to see where his head's at. Cause again, this is all checking to see if it holds water. The idea that he magically misunderstood a certain line of questioning. So, 
you know, when Graham was mentioned by a reporter, Braun offered that weak response regarding Graham's bizarre line of questioning, like you said, regarding Jackson's religion. And, you know, he's saying, like, it didn't hit the analytical mark, as he put it. So here's what Graham said. This is what the reporter was referring to uh, in, in Jackson's hearing. Thank you, uh, Judge. Again, congratulations. I want to talk to you a little bit about family and faith, because in your opening statement, and the people who uh, introduced you to the committee, uh, there was very glowing praise of uh, you as a person, a good friend. Uh, you have a wonderful family. You should be proud, and your faith matters to you. What faith are you, by the way? Senator, I am um, Protestant. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, Non-denominational. Okay. Could you fairly judge a Catholic? Senator, I have a record of I think the answer would be yes. judging everyone. I believe you can. I'm just <laughs> asking this question because how important is your faith to you? Senator, personally, um, my faith is very important. Um, but as you know, there's no religious test in the Constitution under, under Article 6. and There will be none with me. And... <laughs> Um, it, it's very important to set aside one's personal views yeah, about I, things I, I, in, in the role of a judge. I couldn't agree with you more, and I believe you can. Yeah. So. I just, like, <laughs> did they ask Miss, Miss Amy Comey, Comey Barrett that same question? Well, that's actually kind of the point that that Graham is going to make. So her so Barrett's religion did come up okay. during confirmation hearings. Okay, right? fair enough. And and that is sort of the trick that Graham is is pulling here. If you if you know like the difference here, which I didn't, I had to remind or I forgotten. I had to remind myself. Mm -hmm. So, first of all, y'all can't see the video, obviously, but I assure you that whole exchange is more, even more awkward than it sounds, you know? like I mean, we've, we've seen the memes. <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, and, and Jackson, damn it, is doing her best to answer this question and maintain, you know, what did Braun call it? Decorum? You know? Yes. Really maintaining that professional um presentation at all times because you know anything less is not good enough for her right and we'll get to the difference between her and someone else in just a second uh and you know it, it becomes clear during that exchange right that, that graham didn't really want an answer from jackson he already he quickly admitted he cut her off and said that he believed that jackson could fairly judge a catholic which is an oddly specific example right um and it sort of comes out of nowhere. So uh, it seems really out of place, right? Like, why, why mm -hmm. are we even having this? Why are we talking about this? Until this next part where, you know, Graham makes uh, the point crystal clear by way of a, another truly asinine question. So uh, on a scale of one to ten, how faithful would you say you are in terms of religion? You know, I go to church probably three times a year, so that speaks poorly of me. <laughs> or do you, do you attend church regularly? Well, Senator, I am reluctant to talk about my faith in this way just because I want to be um, mindful of the need for the public to 
have confidence in my ability to separate out my personal views. Well, how would you feel if a senator up here said <clears throat> your faith, the dogma lives loudly within you and that's of concern? How would you feel if somebody up here on our side said, you know, you attend church too much for me or your faith is a little bit different to me and they would suggest that it would affect your decision? Would you find that offensive? Senator, I'm... I'm... I would if I were you. I found it offensive when they said it about Judge Barrett. The reason I ask these questions is I have no doubt that your faith is important to you, and I have zero doubt that you can adjudicate people's cases fairly if they're an atheist. If I had any doubt, I would, I, I would say so. But the only reason I mention this, Judge, you're reluctant to talk about it because it's uncomfortable. Just imagine what would happen if people on late-night television called you an effing nut speaking in tongues because you practiced the Catholic faith in a way they uh, couldn't relate to or found uncomfortable. So, Judge, you should be proud of your faith. I am convinced that whatever faith you have and how often you go to church, it will not affect your ability to be fair. So why did you ask her anything? It's, it's like, what's the point of this exchange? Like, mm -hmm. I could see if you were annoyed if Amy Coney Barrett didn't get in to the Supreme Court, but she's there despite the question. Who cares? Move on. <laughs> like this is about a new person. Why right. are you bringing that up at all? Exactly. No, and and he admits that he doesn't want an answer. He's just bringing this up because he's trying to throw shade at Democrats. You know. Yeah. Like and, grow and, up. <laughs> yeah. No. Exactly. It's bu it's bullshit. He doesn't really. He doesn't want to know anything. He's just using it to grandstand. And honestly, that has more. That has a lot to do with the fact. That's kind of telling of the fact that the GOP knows that you know they don't really have a substantive objection to Jackson's appointment. You know, they just they. They, not not a real one, not one that um, they can sell without being accused accurately of, you know, being dog whistling racists. You know, there's there's no other way to put it. So what Graham is referring to specifically is commentary made by Senator Diane Feinstein, uh, excuse me, uh, by Senator Diane Feinstein to Amy Coney Barrett during her, uh, Barrett's 2017 appeals court confirmation hearing. Okay, so this wasn't even for SCOTUS. This was three years prior. And the concern back then was that Barrett, who was reportedly linked to a small Christian group, People of Praise, which reportedly emphasizes to its members that a family should be maintained according to biblical doctrine, which declares the man as the ostensible house, uh, head of household, right? Because he's a man. Um. You know, uh, that was her thing. And also, she served as a quote-unquote handmaid, which according to the group was a reference to Mary serving as handmaid to God. It, it was all very weird. Oh, she she was actually a handmaid? Like, like from the mythical, I know, show? Yeah, no, no, nothing like that. <laughs> not, not like that. Although that is why People of Peace uh, did change the name of that position like halfway through. And I'm going to test something out. <laughs> La ladies and gentlemen, we've got joining the show. We've got Joe. Hello, hello, hello. I just, okay, hey, Joe, I just had, I had to do it. <laughs> so 
What's up, Joe? You came Good in to on have right, you at the right time. You did. You did. Through the magic of editing, everybody listening, I have caught Joe up on what's going on, and I just replayed the last Lindsey Graham clip for his reaction. Joe? Oh, wow. So many things. Um, first of all, <laughs> there is the whole conflation that going to church means you're a good person. And as it's as long as you make a valiant effort to try, right? Because he tries to go to church, but he only goes to church about three times a year, is what he said. Yeah, and one of them is probably Christmas. Yeah, we, us in that work in the church, we would call him a creaster. A what? A creaster, a what? Christmas and Easter pr- person. <laughs> I was about to say, oh, a what? A or creaster? A, a creaster. Uh, an, uh, another one is a CEO, a uh, Christmas Easter only. No. There we go. Yeah, okay. yeah. There's, there, there's there's a lot of shade we throw at those kinds of people. Oh my um, god, that's my. I'm gonna make a shirt. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, but yeah. So there's a lot of that conflation, and uh, my my favorite thing was just the whataboutism because he was like, oh well, yeah, I, I can ask you about the your faith because that they were asking you know uh, Justice Barris about about her faith in her confirmation hearing. You know, but the difference being in opinion pieces that Justice Barrett had written previously, she had explicitly stated her faith. So, which obviously would then lead into those kinds of lines of questioning. Whereas, you know, you know, Kentaji Brown, just nothing. There's nothing there. So, and, and it's really just him digging to get his base riled up. Almost like it's a false analogy designed to just be political red meat. Yes, exactly. Yeah, I mean maybe. that's kind of what these whole, all these hearings have been like. Just from the clips that I've seen throughout. I mean, let 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 me not even get started with Raphael's rant. <laughs> oh, you mean children's books and CRT? Yes, yeah, exactly. That's a whole other episode. That's exactly. Just, and I won't I won't waste any of the audience's time on him until he does something more original. He he bores me at this point, you know. So. I don't understand how this man is still a sitting U.S. senator. <laughs> I, I mean, normally I would blame gerrymandering, but, you know, Senator is a statewide race, so I, I can't, that doesn't explain it. I, People don't like him, but somehow he keeps getting voted in, and it's very weird. I, I guess if it's a choice between him and any Democrat, enough people in Texas are going to are gonna go that way, apparently. Having lived in rural Texas, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh God, I miss uh, I miss Amarillo. You know, sleeping with a gun under my pillow. You know, the Panhandle. It's a good place. Good yeah, place yeah. To be. Out out in Tyler, we we would call them uh, demon rats. De- that tracks. Okay, okay. Uh, speaking of demons, uh, Joe, you kind of caught us in the middle when we were talking about uh, Amy Coney Barrett's um, affiliation with a group mostly Catholic called the People of Praise. Um, I don't know. They're very small. They boast maybe 1,700 members. I don't know if you're familiar with them at all. Yeah, no, I'm not familiar. Okay, I was just, I was saying, and yes, the audience are going to sit through me saying this again. Um, it, it, it's a group that reportedly emphasizes to its members, you know, that a family should be maintained according to biblical doctrine, which declares that a man is the head of the household. You know, women serve, they should submit, you know, that type of thing. And she, uh, at when she was affiliated, Barrett served uh, as is in the capacity of handmaid, 
which the group claims is a reference to Mary serving as a handmaid to God, depending on your biblical translation. I think it, I, 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 I can't remember the exact scripture, but, um, wow. But yeah. Yeah. But yeah, Jackson, he has, she has no such, uh, associations as we've said, right? It's a false analogy. Um, and you notice that uh, Graham sort of cut her off there in the middle, you know, and told her that he has no doubt of her ability to adjudicate fairly. And then, you know, he took his little shot at Diane Feinstein, I guess the Democrats in general. You know, at least Graham avoided those histrionics that Senator Braun is so concerned about. Uh, yeah, Joe, you missed that. This, this whole aside is because Braun during the teleconference was concerned that you know he wanted his republican colleagues to avoid the histrionics of the kavanaugh confirmation hearings so that's what got us there but you know speaking of histrionics since braun did bring up kavanaugh confirmation hearings you know i'm kind of comfortable concluding that uh braun believes that you know the democratic senators uh were the ones doing something akin to what graham did right and Maybe they did, but remember that Braun towed the party line back then, and he endorsed Kavanaugh, right, for SCOTUS, and is skeptical of Jackson, right? He has, he says he hasn't made up his mind on her, even though even on paper she is incredibly overqualified compared to Kavanaugh. So with that in mind, um, I just want to recall some of those non-dramatic, totally professional opening statements from Kavanaugh's second hearing after the allegations of sexual assault came to light. There's been a frenzy on the left to come up with something, anything, to block my confirmation. Shortly after I was nominated, the Democratic Senate leader said he would, quote, oppose me with everything he's got. A Democratic senator on this committee publicly, publicly referred to me as evil. Evil. Think about that word. And said that those who supported me were, quote, complicit in evil. Another Democratic senator on this committee said, quote, Judge Kavanaugh is your worst nightmare. A former head of the Democratic National Committee said, quote, Judge Kavanaugh will threaten the lives of millions of Americans for decades to come. I understand the passions of the moment. But I would say to those senators, your words have meaning. Millions of Americans listened carefully to you. Given comments like those, is it any surprise that people have been willing to do anything to make any physical threat against my family, to send any violent email to my wife, to make any kind of allegation against me and against my friends to blow me up and take me down. You sowed the wind for decades to come. I fear that the whole country will reap the whirlwind. I love that biblical reference right there at the end, man. He just, he had to do it. Once again, like I said, it's just, it's, it's maturity for me. Um, <laughs> in the sense of like, you're 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 an adult people are going to offend you and you're supposed to be one of the most mature and even keeled people hopefully on this planet <laughs> if if you're going to be a part of the u.s supreme court and then to sit there and 
uh, just show face because you're a little bit upset. It's, mm-hmm. it's just weird to me. Weird. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, obviously you can't see the video. You could, but we remember the images, right? He's just, he's just, he's fucking distraught. And that goes on for 45 minutes, by the way. I, I can't think of Kavanaugh without thinking of his, you know, first of all, his, his meltdown. Uh, but then all, as well as the, I like beer quote, that that's, that's right. a fun quote. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. But one thing I just got to say about that clip is if your ethic in any way is permissive of sexual assault or complicit in allowing others to perpetuate sexual assault, you are in fact evil. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for, thanks to, uh, to Kavanaugh for asking us to think about that for a while. Yes, I yes. agree. Also, you know, boo fucking who, um, the, you know, the woman who came forward with these allegations, uh, is the one who was threatened to the extent that she had to flee her home. So I, I don't want to hear shit out of him as far as like, you know, threats towards him. Fuck that. Mm-mm. Yeah, seriously. I also like how he turned his personal situation as public as it was into something representative of an attack on the nation as a whole. You know, complete with that biblical reference. You know, it's just like you, you've you sowed it and you will reap the whirlwind for decades. <laughs> you know. Well, because it allows, it allows the idiots who don't think about it to get personally attached to then think of, oh, well, if they're attacking him, they must be attacking me. Classic strongman tactic, you know. Exactly. Yeah. He- and, then, and then as well as, you know, like look at the whole like, victim mentality that he's trying to claim on himself he's like you know because because i'm being attacked you know i must be correct mm-hmm. is his whole is the the thesis of his argument and i was actually going to bring that up um once again in this whole maturity aspect like you're an adult people are going to say all sorts of things about you prove them wrong like that's all you got to do like prove them wrong yeah. And then people can't say anything about you. And instead he loses his shit for 45 minutes. And, you know, really the, as far as maturity goes, he doesn't demonstrate a high level of that through the entirety of the proceedings. Um, it's, it, it's kind of hard to watch. I got about two hours into it. I, I had to fucking shut it off. I was like, I can't yeah, do you this. You don't need maturity when you know rich people who are willing to give you money so that, you know, you can line their pockets. This is true. And, and you happen to fall into a couple of key demographics to which the, the United States has legally and socially catered forever. Maybe just saying. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, as far as what Kavanaugh was saying about, you know, uh, these, co- you know, these quotes from these Democratic senators, you know, I'm willing to stipulate that those things were said, you know, uh, I get it. Political gamemanship. It's not uh, confined to the GOP. I get that. But I will point out one thing. Clarence Thomas, who I'm not a fan of at all. <laughs> he faced allegations of sexual misconduct during his confirmation hearings in the early 90s, okay? And I watched his opening statement, okay? And not, again, not a defense of Thomas, not a defense of Thomas. I think the guy's a piece of shit. But as far as decorum and dignity goes, he demonstrated way more in his confirmation hearings, where he was facing, by the way, Strom Thurmond and Joe Biden, just a little how all things are connected. Weird, that is. 
Again, not a defense of Thomas, but at least he understood how to behave like a fucking adult, even when he was lying through his teeth. You know, I'll just, it's possible. I'll just say that. So, like I said, Kavanaugh's opening statement in that second hearing went on for quite a while, and I couldn't, I couldn't put up with, with the whole thing. So, or I'm not going to subject everyone to it. So here's a highlight reel courtesy of uh, the Associated Press that was published on uh, same day, I believe, September 27th of 2018. So this is, this is uh, Kavanaugh's greatest hits of paranoia. This whole two week effort has been a calculated and orchestrated political hit fueled with apparent pent up anger about President Trump and the 2016 election fear that has been unfairly stoked about my judicial record, revenge on behalf of the Clintons, and millions of dollars in money from outside left-wing opposition groups. Guess who he means there. This is a circus. I will not be intimidated into withdrawing from this process. You've tried hard. You've given it your all. No one can question your effort. But your coordinated and well-funded effort to destroy my good name and destroy my family will not drive me out. The vile threats of violence against my family will not drive me out. You may defeat me in the final vote, but you'll never get me to quit. Never. I'm not questioning that Dr. Ford may have been sexually assaulted by some person in some place, at some time. But I have never done this to her or to anyone. That's not who I am. It is not who I was. I am innocent of this charge. I intend no ill will to Dr. Ford and her family. The other night, Ashley and my daughter Liza said their prayers. And little Liza, all of 10 years old. Here it comes. Said to Ashley, we should pray for the woman. It's a lot of wisdom from a 10 year old. We mean, we mean no ill will. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you don't. You don't. It's, it's, you know, funny because the people who've sexually assaulted my friends have said the same thing. Yeah. Yep. They're very fucking sorry that everyone got it so wrong. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Fuck them. Nope. Yeah. Oh, and the Clintons were behind it, Jay. The Clintons. Are doing it. <laughs> I, I also love the the dog whistle of a dog whistle of a dog whistle. <laughs> meta meta whistle. Well, no, because like okay, because you know the the left wing money. We all know who he's referencing there. George so was George Soros a dog whistle for the Jews? Mm-hmm. It's what it's always been. Yep. I just once again, I feel like people should be concerned hearing this type of language from a Supreme Court judge mm-hmm. like it's the exact opposite of the type of person who's supposed to be in there uh, just it seems like he doesn't have control over his emotions he clearly thinks there's a 
a our side and a their side, even though he's supposed to be working together with people. And it's okay to have a different perspective on how you think the world should be. But like thinking that you're entering some fight <laughs> or that you're some martyr and it's just concerning. Yeah. It- yeah, no, martyr's a good word for it. I mean, he really is, like, he, I mean, I'm surprised he didn't show up to his hearing literally tied to a cross, you know? That's that's the image that he's trying to put together. Um, and, and also, using your 10-year-old child as a prop, you know what I mean? Like, I, that, that's low, man. That's, no shame. That's fucking low. Unbelievable. I, though I shouldn't be surprised. Yeah, these guys literally have no shame about anything, you know. I mean, they say that everything is for the kids, but the kids are going to be the first ones they're they're willing to throw under the bus. Oh, absolutely, but not but not if that bus is reintegrating schools. I see what you did there. That that little callback, little callback. Oh yeah, yeah. But anyways, yeah, too emotional. Not strong enough. These are the things that people would say about Jackson if she behaved that way. 100%. Absolutely. Full stop. No question. Um, so with that, you know, I, I, I want to circle back to Braun. Because again, the whole point of this exercise is this is the guy that Braun endorses. Along with the rest of the GOP. It's very partisan they could have sent they could have sent a fucking cocker spaniel in there you know and if trump said support the cocker spaniel they would have done it you know it's like you know go 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 bubbles you know still would have been a more impartial judge (laughs) (laughs) but braun you know he's 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 moved on you know and he's showing that he's not lost in space Right. Because, again, this whole exercise is us trying to figure out how credible his claim is that he misunderstood that particular question. So here we keep going. Right. Um, And this is uh, this is Braun supporting and engaging in, you know, transphobia by way of laws against children. I wanted to ask about your your statement on Twitter about the veto of the sports bill. Um, Pokemon said he vetoed the measure in part because of the solution looking for, you know, that for a problem that doesn't exist in Indiana and appears to already be being addressed. Um, any response to, to that part of his veto letter? I didn't think that was a very good direct response. Um, cite 11 other states that have probably done something otherwise, another 20 looking at it. Also cite that this has got a wide majority of Americans, 62%, that don't think that you should have uh, uh, biological uh, males competing in female sports, uh, much higher than that among independents and Republicans, and even 41% of Democrats. So I think that that also would have, um, in Indiana, even more than a 62% support level. So I think the governor did go against maybe what the majority of people are thinking across the country, especially in Indiana. And uh, I thought the response maybe uh, was a way to kind of sidewind around uh, the essence of the discussion. Yeah. Yeah. So 
the reporter was referring to Indiana Governor Holcomb and his veto of HEA 1041, which officially bans um, transgender girls K through 12 from playing on girls sports teams. You know, the funny thing about that bill is it doesn't stop uh, um, cis girls or transgender girls from playing on the boys teams. Just saying. So little little thing there. But yeah, you guys, you guys caught all that, right? Uh, um, Holcomb's problem with it uh, in the letter he sent back to legislation was that, you know, the Indiana High School Sports Association already has a policy in place regarding trans uh, gender girls wanting to play on girls sports team, which requires those students to provide proof they completed hormone therapy and that their muscle or bone mass is roughly similar to girls of that age. Right. Which is oddly specific. But okay. That is that is oddly specific. Yeah, you know it's funny because that actually implies that Indiana can't be against um, um, gender affirming um, um, therapies for children. Just as a by the way, mm. so like hormone blockers, like by that rationale, they can't be against hormone blockers. You know, mm-hmm. so interesting how that works. So yeah, to date, not one transgender girl has applied for consideration through that policy. By the way, through through the school system. Um, so that's what Holcomb meant when he talked about this HEA ten forty one is a solution in search of a problem, right? I also love that his excuse of why it was okay for Indiana to do it was because other states were also looking at doing something similar. It's like, yeah, but are they doing it based off science or are they doing it based off of their own ideology to win political points? Because there's lots of states that are doing things like that. I mean, I don't know. I feel like if I can get enough states to, you know, try to pass legislation that the Corgi is the official dog of the United States then no one can say I'm weird when I do it here in California. I mean, I'd vote for that. Hell yeah. I see. I, could, I bet I could get mine passed faster than he could. But no, yeah, you, you, you're right. It, it's, I agree. It's the idea that because someone else somewhere does it, that means that I get to do it, you know? And in case Braun's position is not clear from that response regarding trans rights, uh, here's a tweet from March 21st. Quote, Girls sports should be for girls, and allowing biological males to compete with them robs female athletes of a chance to compete and win. I'm disappointed Governor Holcomb vetoed a bill to make this law in Indiana, and I support a veto override to protect women's athletics. So, yeah. Can't be clearer than that, Right. The guy who says he misunderstood another question, so far he's he's pretty on the ball. <laughs> I, right? All of a sudden I, I, his cognition skills are on point. Yeah, like the like he's selective on, listening. Yeah, like he's on Dexadrine. The man is sharp, you know? And he's been listening to his boy Bill Cosby too much. Oh uh, <laughs> God. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, I, I hope I'm making the case to all you listening so far that Braun, up to this point, is is very sharp he's following 100 percent what what reporters are asking him you know he's not equivocating he's being as clear as he can right so you know regarding those stats by the way that braun brought up fucking politicians fucking love to cherry pick polls all of them do it but yep. this they all do it they all do it all of them but in this particular case, Braun's referring to one question from a Gallup poll uh, that was taken in, the, I believe, May of 2021, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, the poll 
does indicate what Braun's talking about. The idea that six on average, 62% of adults polled, um, you know, believe that, you know, trans girls should not play on girls sports teams. Right. That, Mm -hmm. that, that's accurate. Okay. I'll give him that one. Um, in fact, most of the stats he, he quoted they're they're right on. Okay. So factually accurate. However, kind of like what you were talking about, uh, Joe, um, the poll does indicate what Braun said, but all that means is that a thousand people polled. Um, he thinks that that provides him a mandate to fuck with people's lives. Yeah, you know it's mean? like sample size determines the, if the poll is even a valid study or not. And right? it was it, it was one thousand people, uh, yeah. one thousand six people, I think. Yeah, and there's what three hundred and thirty something million Americans, somewhere so, around there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. And. I mean, yeah, it's like, look, just because the majority of respondents in a poll endorses an idea is no reason to consider it proof positive that it's a good idea, number one. Number two, majorities of Americans poll poll favor uh, universal, or excuse me, let me rephrase. Um, if you want to talk about polls, right, the majority of Americans uh, will generally have a favorable um, opinion of universal health care in the U.S., for one, like, Year in, year out. And, you know, if you want to talk about polls even further and, you know, the shamelessness of Republicans who love whitewashing history, especially the legacy of, say, Martin Luther King Jr. and his relationship with the establishment, here's another Gallup poll. Prior to his death, King's popularity was measured by Gallup several times through the 1960s. Okay, so this is from uh, uh, from their from their website. Quote, Gallup measured the public's perception of King in a different fashion in the 1960s, using a scaleometer that asked the public to rate him on a plus five to a minus five scale. The resulting data show that King's image became more negative as the years went on. In 1963, King had a 41% positive and a 37% negative rating. In 64, it was 43% positive and 39% negative. In 1965, 45% positive and 45% negative. And in 1966, the last Gallup measure um, of King using this procedure, it was 32% positive, 63% negative. Just saying. Majority of people had a negative outlook of MLK, and this is the guy that the GOP loves, to, and, and the Democrats, love to fucking whitewash year after year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because they don't like to talk about the fact that he was advocating for socialism. Oh, fucking A, man. Right. Yeah. It's like he actually you know, took Jesus seriously. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Much like many of the uh, like 30 percent of the vocal ministers before um, uh, Fifield and the uh, the National Association of Merchants were like, hey, you know what? Fuck the New Deal and fuck FDR. We're going to create the first mega church in Beverly Hills, which is exactly what they did, by the way. Yep. Um, it, actually, there's a recent documentary that just came out on Discovery Plus. I have been. I have yet to watch it. I can't wait to watch it. It's about uh, the Hillsong Church down in Australia. So Hillsong is just, just this giant megachurch conglomerate that has campuses all over the country. Uh, this guy Carl Lentz was Justin Bieber's pastor, 
Um, anyway, <laughs> they, they, they yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, they just got rocked by like a big scandal. Their founder just got like arrested or something in Australia because he didn't report uh, his dad sexually assaulting people. Um, that tracks. Yeah, but but anyway, Discovery Plus just released a doc a docu series called Hillsong Mega Church Exposed, and it's kind of it's like it's important to kind of understand what's going on there because Hillsong was kind of the model for how most evangelical churches in America decided to operate when they saw how Hillsong was growing. Tracks. That tracks. Are they connected to Rupert Murdoch? Um, probably in some, I, I don't know. He's a billionaire Australian. At, I mean, you well, know, and, and the reason, the reason why Hillsong really blew up was because of their music. So it wouldn't surprise me if, you know, some billionaire media mogul was attached to it somehow. Uh, <sighs> misusing religion. It's an American pastime, though apparently an Australian oh, one too. Yeah, it's it, it's a uh, it's an international pastime. <laughs> I was say, that's definitely a global <laughs> pastime. Yeah. Hey, hey, hey! American exceptionalism. We do religious <laughs> grifting better than anyone. Okay, just ask. See, uh, we Kenneth just do it Coleman? on a larger scale. Yeah, uh, Copeland. Uh, Kenneth Copeland. Yes, yes. Yeah, he's the, the, the guy who like prayed against COVID nineteen like two weeks in. People made some awesome like lo-fi beats around it. Yeah, yeah, and he talks about how he needs a private jet, otherwise he couldn't proselytize the way he normally does. Shit like that. Uh, that well, uh, or is that Creflo Dollar? Well, he's another one that does that. Creflo Prop- Prop- Dollar, that's my boy. Is that? <laughs> <laughs> we, you know, we, we're, I we're, think we should. Uh, I think we're about to say the same thing. We should go do a whole episode of, uh, I, about. Some of these megachurchers, yeah, mega, megachurch grifters. That'd be a good episode. I, you know what? I, that would be that'd probably be a two or three parter. So we'll get we're gonna we're gonna circle back to that one. Absolutely, starting with this crypto dollar person. Creflo. So Creflo dollar. Excuse me. Yes, we're, we'll get to him. I promise. So circling back to Braun, however, um, I just want to say, you know, one last thing regarding polls, as I was saying with, you know, the overwhelmingly negative polling of King before his assassination, before his murder, um, you know, people can be polled about their approval or disapproval of virtually anything. You know, that doesn't mean that the state government shouldn't shrine that idea in law. You know what I mean? I um, uh, Which is kind of the point of federal intervention and the Supreme Court. You know, whether these laws are constitutional, their whole purpose. Mm -hmm. But getting back to it, uh, the main point, which is how Braun is handling himself leading up to the big crescendo. Um, The reporter is now going to ask a follow up question, which Braun answers without seeming to have any misunderstanding. Now, you don't normally criticize, you know, members of your own party, especially in Indiana. Why was this important enough issue to say something on Twitter um, you know, almost immediately after. Yeah, this is one issue that I'm going to always be on the side of never demonizing anybody that disagrees with me, uh, number one. But there will be some issues that I think are going to need to have a counterpoint made to it. Again, uh, acknowledging that you're never going to agree with anybody on everything. Uh, this climbed the threshold to where I thought it was worth making a statement about. And I think most Hoosiers are lined up with me on that statement. Sure you are, buddy. Sure they are. So is everyone in, in the state of Indiana a Hoosier? I just, that. that you didn't that see the just, movie? <laughs> <laughs> there, there's, there's Hoosiers and literally no one else. 
There's, a <laughs> there's nothing else to do out there, so why not? Yeah, exactly. Right. There's that, about, or look at uh, there's look at cornfields. You know. What about or, Indi- Indianapolis Speedway? I'm a car guy. Uh, okay. Okay. Fair. <laughs> hey. Hey. You know what? I I joke. Nothing against the great state of Indiana and its fine people. It's not your fault that your junior senator is an asshole any more than <laughs> politicians in my state of California. You know. Yeah, 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 yeah. The Indy 500. You got the uh, you got the Colts. You know, right? You got Peyton Manning. No, no. no. <laughs> oh, okay, fine, fine. All right, fine. And then other things in Indiana. I can't think of any, but I'm sure it's I'm sure it's lovely. So yeah, but but you you heard how Braun handled himself, right? It's a very straightforward question. Uh, the the reporter wanted a little follow up. It's like, hey, you're criticizing a member of your own party. That's new. Care to comment? And succinctly and accurately and clearly, he answered. You know, um, he was still doing like the fucking grifter two step. You know, one of his non answer answers, but he tried. Mm-hmm. So yeah, the grifter two step. I like that. <laughs> i need to cut oh man we need to market that somehow yeah I, I, yeah i gotta get get that on like a t-shirt or something like that like like an nft like a gif or something no no <laughs> no you know what's sad is that that would sell that's the sad part someone would go for it and I'm, i won't do it i refuse i i i mean there was an nft that was literally marketed as a rug pull and oh yeah yeah that's right Oh, God. Humanity is... We're worth saving, but sometimes I wonder. But, yeah. But, but uh, you know who's not worth saving, maybe, is is uh, Mike Braun, you know? Because, like I said, he seemed sharp, seemed dialed in, answering questions very clearly. And now, with that in mind, right, He's he's made clear his positions. He's made clear he can follow along. He's made clear he can answer follow-up questions. So now we're going to get to the heart of the controversy right here, which is couched in states' rights. So another reporter asks Braun point blank why he, as a senator, um, is weighing in on this uh, the Indiana the Indiana trans bill from earlier. Why he's even concerned with it at all? Hello, Senator. It's along that same line. Why decide to weigh in on this when it's not a federal a federal issue, but instead uh, looking at uh, a uh, no, it's strictly a state issue, or do you see it differently? Well, any of these issues can become federal issues in time through the courts or federal legislation. And I think in this case, at least it's at a level where it looks like states are making these kinds of decisions. And I believe this is the bailiwick of the states, uh, just like I think, you know, on other issues where the feds, either through courts our legislation in moments of opportunity uh, go otherwise. And I think here, uh, this is not an issue that snuck up on us. Uh, I cited the number of other states that have already passed guidelines, uh, the 20 other states that are in the process of doing it, and to where current polling exists in terms of what state governments should do. So he's just saying the same things over again, but the the, the, the punchline is this. The, the issue of the rights of trans children is the bailiwick, as he puts it, of the states, not the, not the feds. That's what he's saying. Point fucking blank. It, it almost sounds like the kind of an argument that someone would have given like 150 years ago of why they should be able to own people. Yeah. 
yeah, or, or, or any distinction made in the name of states' rights when it has to do with, like, the rights of anyone, you know? It's just like, oh, I'm just, I'm just going to go for it. It's our right to fuck these people over. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Who's the federal government to, to get into our shit? You know what I mean? And in that regard, it was kind of a non-answer, but it was still an answer, I guess. Again, more the, more the two-step, the shuffle, the little, little soft shoe of hate, if you will. You know, I'm just proud of the SAT word bailiwick. <laughs> that was good. That was good. It made him sound nice. It's probably official. his word of the day. He, he was trying to work in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, and yeah. Braun, you heard him. He reiterate. He really. Yeah, yeah. Braun reiterates. You know his reasoning, uh, which is based on a Gallup poll and the fact that other state legislatures are attempting to enshrine transphobic attacks against children into law that's like citing yourself in an argument braun again is saying other people are attempting to do this thing therefore it is correct that's it that's all he's got but at this point it should be clear of braun's position which is there are some things including civil rights of protected classes that are not the position or not the area of the feds but instead the area of the states right so here is another example to that end uh, of Braun handling a follow-up question to clarify his position. Do you think the Congress should step in and do something on this issue? No, I think this is a classic case where the federal government ought to stay out of it. Uh, this should be something that is reflected throughout the uh, diversity of states. Perfect example where I think that's where it should stay and that's where it's at currently doesn't get any clearer than that does it i just feel like and i brought it up at the top of the show like states rights should be for localized issues this is very obviously not a localized issue (laughs) it's something that could potentially cross state lines in terms of the the civil rights of these people and it's just dumb Yep. It's like he intentionally forgot why civil right, federal civil rights were needed in the first place. Yep. Oh, and that pesky war. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like unless unless he's proposing that every the citizens of every state never cross state lines, right? Because that's that's the only way to make it be like, oh, states will stick to their own. So what happens if I want to visit someone, you know, in another state and your state has made it a crime for me to be biracial? You know, congratulations. We just created new countries. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. And even though he's a he's a federal senator, that's where he draws his his paycheck from is the federal government. Well, and that's another thing. He he, he's literally paid to intentionally forget these things oh yeah oh yeah yeah he he's he's a very eloquent shill you know for far right dark money (laughs) he's 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 a well-spoken dude when it comes to he knows a big word he does he bailiwick he knows bailiwick (laughs) um so yeah yeah um that's that's brawn and his attitude towards civil rights uh, regarding states or federal is becoming pretty clear at this point, you know? Um, but don't worry, right? Because Braun is about to make it clear that some civil rights are clearly embedded in the constitution, even when they're not, 
And those are the rights that are always, you know, under federal authority. How do you assess the current state of the Second Amendment and what roles do you see the state and federal government playing as uh, that all gets sorted out in terms of uh, how far government should go in requiring permits and regulating weapons? So Second Amendment rights are clearly embedded in the Constitution, and I think that there's been a constant attempt among some states uh, to erode that Second Amendment right. So uh, everything's got a different dynamic. The issue on the bill back in Indiana has not gotten to the federal level. For ones that are embedded in our Constitution, that's a whole other issue. And again, uh, I think that in places like maybe California, New York, our, our neighbors to the West, Illinois, where they've tried to erode that constitutional right, um, you got to be careful. There are all different ways that government can weigh in uh, from one end to the other, uh, trying to erode something embedded in the Constitution or an, an issue that is evolving, uh, like the one here in Indiana where the governor vetoed this bill. So I say stay alert. Stay alert. Guns, baby. That the second amendment is not actually very clear and i don't know why people like think that <laughs> so I, I love that i love that he pointed out california specifically uh -huh. when it's like oh yeah yeah remember where where the first gun control measure was passed and why it was passed yep. by ronald reagan because you know, of uh, maybe know. maybe people demanded their <laughs> rights and were exercising Dude. their rights under and the law Needed to protect themselves from uh, a, a certain group of uh, jackbooted thugs. The that that's always my fun argument about gun rights. Like the time that legislation has been put in place is the time when, <laughs> like we we need our guns to protect ourselves from government overreach. Oh yeah, and yeah. abuse. And, Yes, and it's funny, too, because, like, uh, there's a new generation of, like, not sort of, like, mainstream liberal types, like, left-leaning people who are actually in favor of gun ownership because there's a lot of Nazis who have guns, you know? Uh, and the subreddit Liberal Gun Owners is a fun subreddit. Yeah, yeah. The the uh, the John Brown um, Gun Club, the uh, the Socialist uh, Rifle Association. Like these are real things with a lot of members, you know. Uh, and so, by the way, just to be clear for our listeners uh, who may not have listened to our previous episodes, we were talking about the Black Panther Party. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just wanted to put I, that I, plain plainly out there. I, I, I have faith in the audience, but thanks for making it clear. I should, we, I we should have, have done that. I should have done that. We have a lot of international listeners who, who don't oh, know that's, the entirety that's of America's history. That's true. Australia, I'm looking at you. Good numbers out of you this week. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, yes, yes. We were referring to the Black Panther Party for uh, self-defense, um, a group made up of people, who, black, well, if I may, black people who were in mostly California who were fucking pissed off because they kept suffering under the boot of white supremacy, um, pretty much from coast to coast. But, you know, Huey Newton, Bobby Seale, 
you know, uh, a few of the founding members. Bobby Seale, they tried to implicate him in the uh, Chicago riots. If anyone seen that Netflix drama, The Trial of the Chicago 7, they tried to roll him into that for reason, because he was there for three hours that day. But th- that's the type of shit they had to deal with. You know, if you uh, look up the, the murder of Fred Hampton, you know, that's that's the type of thing. And when they ex- about that very Yes, recently. and actually it's a pretty good one for what it's worth. And when these individuals uh, obeyed the law and began um, carrying firearms in plain view, as was legal under the California Constitution, they changed the rules. Fun. Fun, that is. So, moral of the story is, uh, black people, we need to unite and move to Texas, uh, Indiana, (laughs) North Dakota, South Dakota. (laughs) Yeah. You know, uh, fun fact, Indiana just passed a bill becoming a, effectively a constitutional carry, uh, carry territory. You no longer need um, any type of um, permits to carry a firearm. That'll so. be great for Gary, Indiana. <laughs> never, never been. Is it, uh, is, it, is it a sight to behold? No, it's just, uh, you know, for the cities that they always try to blame uh gun violence on that are predominantly black gay Indiana oh. is one of those that has a lot of crime and it is not predominantly black oh interesting okay well i mean you know maybe they need to get on their second amendment and as you pointed out jay <laughs> the second amendment not super clear quote from the constitution I so rarely get to do this. Uh, (laughs) Second Amendment, quote, a well-regulated militia being... No, I need to do old-timey. Hold on, I got this. I got this. A well-regulated militia being necessary to, to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. That's it. That's the end. That's the whole thing. I love how nobody ever remembers the first part of the Second Amendment. Oh yeah, well, like, you know, it's the right to bear arms. It's like yeah, in a well-regulated militia. Yeah, but see, but but Joe, that's the rub. This is the thing. It was until very recently, it was generally considered to only apply to state military organizations such as the National Guard units of respective states, at least so far as uh, the Supreme Court was concerned up to that point. Now, it wasn't until the uh, case District of Columbia versus Heller in 2008 that the Supreme Court actually declared the Second Amendment protected individual gun ownership. In effect, the, uh, Washington, D.C. had a law banning uh, the uh, possession of firearm uh, handguns even in your private home. And that, um, in a 5-4 decision led by fucking Scalia, uh, they decided, nope, Second Amendment does in fact uh, uh, protect individual gun ownership. So yeah. But it's still, it's not clear in the Constitution. <laughs> <laughs> not at all. Not at um, all. And by the way, I have a real-time correction for myself. Gary, Indiana is actually very black. <laughs> it's almost 80% oh, black. Oh, I see. Um, I see. But case in point, let's see what happens there when uh, the residents of Gary, Indiana start open carrying. Jesus Christ. Can you imagine the interaction between uh, local police departments and the citizens of Gary once that comes to pass? That's uh, we'll I, see. We'll see how their crime stats are these days. Yeah. Maybe it's yep. gotten better. See how it goes. You never know. But yeah, d- 
District of Columbia versus Heller. So it's only been officially recognized the Second Amendment as protecting individual gun rights for about 14 years. I want to remind everyone that um, the um, argument around uh, abortion uh, was settled a good 30 years earlier. Just want to point that out. So... One might say that the, uh, you know, the constitutional basis of privacy protecting abortion is 30 years more clear than the Second Amendment protecting individual gun ownership. But I'm just a crazy pinko commie, although the communists did love guns, so maybe not. Anyways, uh, while Jay is looking up those updated stats for us, um, you got it? Oh, I, yeah, I do. It's it's safer than 8% of U.S. cities, so it's still pretty low on the totem pole. Safer th- safer than 8%. Got it. Yeah, so that's with one the, of those reverse stats, which means yeah, that was, it's at the bottom. Yeah, so does that mean, conversely, it's quote-unquote more dangerous than 91%? So on a scale of 0 to 100, they have an 8. Got it. Got it, got it, got it. Okay. Fair and enough. In terms of safety. 100 being the safest. Who, who, who got, does it say who's the safest? I bet it's Des Moines, Iowa. Or, uh, or Bozeman, I can, Montana. I can look that up. See, we're, we're, we're new project. Bo- Bozeman's got, got college kids, though, so it's probably pretty rowdy. There's probably yeah, some mischief that gets done there. Yeah, that's true. But these this is all based on like recorded crimes and stuff like that. It's like I could see the campus police being like, oh, get out of here, you scamp. I'm looking for a quick answer. Wayland, Massachusetts. Massachusetts. Massa. I can't say it what? today. <laughs> Wayland, Massachusetts, huh? That's yeah. All right. I'm going to have to check that out one of these days. And it, it has yeah. just under 14,000 people. So it's a relatively oh. small town. Okay. Okay. I mean, we, we won't get into it right now, but my next my my next question from a research point of view would be like pulling the census data, you know, like average income, uh, racial makeup and all that stuff. Anyways, anyways. so um, moving on, getting back to uh, Braun and the fact that he thinks that, you know, gun rights are very clear thanks to the Second Amendment, demonstrably not true. Um, you know, another reporter, you know, throws him a softball about Ukraine and I'm not going to play it. His, his answer is rem- unremarkable. Uh, Biden didn't project enough strength. Putin is a quote unquote thug EU good to oppose. Um, I will say that Braun went on like record on February 18th, a full week before uh, the invasion declaring that Putin would not invade Ukraine because of their teeny tiny, uh, small economy. So he missed that call along with kind of the rest of us, if I'm being honest. I mean, our intelligence agency did try to warn us. Yep, yep, yep. But, you know, they've kind of been unreputable for the last, you know, what, ever? So, 80, 80 years, something like that? Yeah, exa- yeah. exactly. Yeah. So it's not like they got a good track record. And I, I will admit, I was one of the people that was just like, maybe they'll attack the Donbass, but invade the whole country? Get the fuck out of here. They're not going to do that. So fully, I'll fully out myself as one of the people who thought that, for, for to be fair. So, <clears throat> with all this in mind, all right, we finally get to the question. Did Braun misunderstand a line of questioning that led to his comments about loving v. Virginia which struck down anti-miscegenation uh, laws, thus, you know, decriminalizing um, interracial marriage. 
Because that's what Braun wants us to believe. So here we go. First up, Braun is asked if reversing Roe v. Wade is judicial activism or, you know, legislating from the bench, as he calls it. Hey, Senator. Uh, You spoke about judicial activism. If the Supreme Court later this year strikes down the right to abortion, would you consider that to be judicial activism, legislating from the bench? I consider it to have been judicial activism when it occurred back almost 50 years ago. So I think this would be bringing it back to a neutral point to where that issue should have never been federalized. Way out of sync, uh, I think, with the contour of America then. And this basically puts it back to a point where, like most of these issues, where one side of the aisle wants to homogenize it federally, uh, is not the right way to do it. Uh, This should be something where the expression of individual states are able to weigh in on these issues through their own legislation, through their own court systems. Quit trying to put the federal government in charge of not only things like we did navigating through COVID recently, where I think that was misguided, but in general. So no, I think this takes it back to a point where it should have never gotten beyond in the first place. So there you go. Uh, Braun couldn't be more clear in this answer. Right? He's- and we should go back to a time before women could get credit cards on their own. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, that, that, yeah. That's exactly the same shit he's saying. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's like, why Why should a woman be allowed to have a bank account without her man uh, co-signing on, uh, on the paperwork? Yeah. We should go back to 50 years ago when white men were in charge of everything and yeah. it Mi- was that, okay. That, that mythical time when everything was okay for everyone, but magically his demographic was explicitly favored under the letter of the law. But yeah, um, couldn't be more clear. Braun is saying that Roe versus Wade was judicially a mistake and overriding that mistake would be a corrective action rather than a federal overstep. You see? So by that rationale, I could say that uh, District of Columbia versus Heller was the overstep and overturning it is a corrective step, you see, thus no more um, Second Amendment protecting individual gun ownership. See, can we say the same thing with Buckley versus Vallejo and Citizens United? Yeah, uh, we could we could do this all fucking day, all day. It's a non-argument. So that was. That's the lead up. Now comes the follow up questions. Okay, now this is the part where Braun said he misunderstood. So I'm going to play the rest of this exchange uninterrupted so as not to be unfair to Braun. Okay, I don't want any context lost. So I call this clip long version of a fuck up. That same basis to something like Loving versus Virginia, the Supreme Court case that legalized interracial marriage. Should so when it comes to when it comes to issues, you can't have it both ways. Uh, when you uh, want that diversity to shine within our federal system, uh, there are going to be uh, rules and uh, proceedings. They're going to be out of sync with maybe what other states would do. It's the beauty of the system, and uh, that's where uh, the differences among points of view in our fifty states ought to express themselves. And I'm not saying that rule would apply in general, depending on the topic, but it should mostly be in general because it's hard to have it on issues that you just are interested in when you deny it for others with a different point of view. 
So you would be okay with the Supreme Court leaving the question of interracial marriage to the states? Yes, I think that that's something that uh, if you're not wanting the Supreme Court to weigh in on issues like that, uh, you're not going to be able to have your cake and eat it, too. I think that's hypocritical. What about Griswold versus Connecticut? Do well, you, you can think- list a whole host of issues when it comes down to whatever they are. Uh, I'm going to say that they're not going to all make you happy uh, within a given state, but that we're better off having states manifest their points of view rather than homogenizing it across the country as Roe versus Wade did. Thanks. Yeah, that's the one time he thanked the reporter. He did not want another follow-up question. So, yeah, I think he pretty immediately realized what he said. <laughs> yeah, he caught yeah, you saw that? He he caught he caught it, he stuck his he he walked into a trap there. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. He set up his board and ran directly into it. <laughs> he was like he was he was like the 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 coyote, you know. He finally looked down and realized he was, he'd run off the cliff, you know. <laughs> I. That's a great analogy. I, I do love a good old fashioned rake stepping, though. I. <laughs> he's like yeah, like sideshow Bob. He's just surrounded by rakes, you know, <laughs> and yeah. So the, I mean, look there there we have it. Okay, there we have it. It can't be any clearer. Um, to recap, Braun thinks that uh, some rights are are very clearly enshrined in the Constitution, specifically the Second Amendment and private gun ownership. Um, he implies that the penumbra of privacy guaranteed by multiple amendments of the Constitution are not really clear. Right. And he specifically declares that states should be free to, quote, express themselves as it pertained to abortion and interracial marriage. And when the reporter finally got to this is where I, I, I agree with you, Jay. I think he realized he fucked up because when the reporter got to the part about Griswold versus Connecticut, he I think he realizes the trap. See, mm-hmm. so that's why that's why he pivots back to Roe versus Wade, which is what he thinks is defensible. Um, So. Yeah, I mean... Because apparently he can have his cake and eat it, too. Yeah. Oh, Christ. He basically... He committed the sin of speaking directly, and he verbalized carrying out his philosophy of states' rights to the logical conclusion, which is some people's civil rights get fucked, and if they don't like it, move to another state. That's it. That's it. So, with that in mind... Okay, and, and I'm... I, I know I have a feeling we've made up our minds, but I mean, let's let's be honest here. Do like Jay, I'll ask you, is there anything based on anything you've heard, anything I've shown you, anything we've talked about where you, we, we believe that Braun got carried away? Maybe maybe he really didn't understand what he was saying. I think he got carried away, but I think he understood what he was saying. <laughs> <laughs> I think he knows exactly what he's saying. And and that's the thing, like, this argument is disingenuous because kind of like I mentioned at the top of the show as well, like they just want the rules that make them happy and then everything else. Fuck you. Yep. Pretty much pure partisan bare knuckle politics. Uh, Joe, did he convince you at all? It's it's like he 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 danced around using his talking points, and then you know when was a, when was asked to apply it directly, he's starting to work it together, and then just like oh shit. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, but no, no, 
It's just, <laughs> this, this is why you have settled law, mm-hmm. you know, yep. so that you can't, so that you can point and say, yeah, no, we, we did that before. And this is why we don't do it again. Yeah. And, 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 you know, I, I mentioned this earlier, uh, Joe, I don't know if you were with us yet. I mean, I did, I, I will stipulate that there have been some fucked up versions of the Supreme Court that have laid down some fucked up decisions. Okay. I completely acknowledge that point, which is why I guess you can get away with even having this discussion at all, you know, but I mean, as, as Braun would probably say about gun rights and the constitution, some things are just sacred. Okay. We're just, just no, you don't, we don't get to rehash this, you know? And I think that, that all this is, is just, like I said, I, is a fuck up on bronze part. Cause I think he overplayed his hand. You know, I'm, I'm with you, Jay. I, I think he completely understood what the question was. And I think he was drinking his own Kool-Aid in real time. Like, Oh, yep. I can totally sell this. <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I'm so goddamn smart. No one will get mad at me for this shit, you know? So yeah. Anyways, this is, this was part one of state's rights, um, which I call portrait of a fuck up. <laughs> you know, I mean, just Mike Braun. He was too honest. He was too honest, you know, and we're going to see more of why that's so dangerous. Um, next week when we expand our focus and talk about the moneyed interests behind this renewed push specifically in the GOP for quote unquote states rights. Um, uh, by the way, have either of you ever heard of the council for national policy CFNP? You ever heard of them? No, no. Do I need to do some research uh, before our next episode? I mean, you don't have to. I mean, feel free. <laughs> I mean, here, I'll put it to you another way. Have you ever heard of the American Legislative Exchange Council or ALEC? That actually, heard of ALEC. That actually sounds familiar. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Model, model bills for the far right, and they, they create model legislation and send it to people so then they can submit right. it to their state legislature. Yep, that's, that's yep. ALEC. So the Council for National Policy and ALEC are closely related these days, and they, it's all the same players, you know? Um, so we're going to talk more about them next week, but um, let's see. Uh, with that, we are going to leave it. For this week, I think we've we've kind of gotten our final thoughts in. In case anybody has any expressions regarding what we just talked about before we sign off this week, uh, I think I've gotten my final thoughts in. <laughs> Joe? I'm ready for next week. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, seriously, just just fuck these guys. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Well, can't say it any better than that. We are gonna take off for now. Once again, uh, please follow the show on Twitter at Consequence Pod. You can follow me on Twitter at Stop Talking Matt. Uh, follow Jay on Twitter at Stop Talking JV. Feel free to stalk Joe at either of his churches. I'm not going to tell you where they're located because that'd be too easy. Um, all right. Well, until next time, everybody, keep your heads up. Maybe call Senator Mike Braun and let him know how much of a good job you think he's doing. All right, everyone, till next week. See yous.